Since leaving Adept Health, Gary Sheehan has leaned into a few different things, including joining Darby as a growth advisor and launching Scorton Creek Capital. His goal? Helping the HME industry, which he was born into, leverage technology to deliver more care in the home. Sheehan joins HME News and 10 to talk about where he sees opportunity for the industry to be more broadly connected to the care continuum and why he's not going anywhere. This episode of HME News in 10 is brought to you by the HME Benchmarking Toolkit. The HME Benchmarking Toolkit is your comprehensive guide providing key metrics, performance indicators, and invaluable data to help you make informed decisions for your business. For more information and to purchase the toolkit, visit www.hmenews.com forward slash HME benchmarking toolkit. I'm Liz Bollier. And I'm Teresa Flaherty. And this is HME News in 10 from HME News. Hi, Gary. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Teresa. Great to be here. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. So, Gary, you uh, basically grew up in the HME uh, industry through your family business, Cape Medical Supply, which in turn was acquired by Adapt Health. Was it kind of bittersweet to leave that company or that side of the industry? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I was literally born in the industry. Cape Medical Supply was founded out of a, a rented home in Mashpee by my mom and dad in 1977. I was born in 78. So, you know, was was part of that company for a long time. In the interim period between Pure Cape and Adapt, there was, of course, Spiro Health. So it wasn't, you know, a cold start of, you know, a small local HME company into, into Adapt Health. But I'm a big fan of Adapt Health. I, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for them to continue to both drive healthcare into the home and benefit from the shift of, of healthcare into the home environment. So still have literal family members there and folks that I consider to be family who have spent a lot of years within the trenches. Since leaving Adapt Health, you've been advising several tech startups. Why does that interest or excite you? I think, you know, for me, I, I want to, you know, do what is best for this industry. This industry means a lot to me. It's been under extreme duress over the last 15 years through what I consider to be sort of ill-fated policy decisions or poorly implemented cost savings programs. And I think at this point, there is the industry has been de-risked a little bit in that I think there's sort of forward stability in terms of the rate reimbursement environment. I think the regulatory environment is pretty well known. So what, what you're back to now is, I think, a growth environment for, for innovative providers. And, and to do that, in a competitive growth environment where you're competing, you know, for talent, you're competing for referral partners, you're competing for patients, you really need to delight those constituencies with your business processes. And you, you, you just can't do that without substantial investments in technology and without being aware of the, you know, new technology solutions that are coming to market that are going to drive, uh, you know, a much better experience for your patients, for your referral partners. And, and I think critically, for your team members as well. You recently announced you're working with one of those startups, Darby. How did you learn about the company and why do you believe in its technology? Yeah, I learned about Darby very early on. Charlotte Lawson founded the company while at Harvard Business School, and she's also a Harvard Med School graduate. So as Ben Affleck may have said in Goodwill Hunting, wicked smart. So she just it, it was a pleasure to get to know her a little bit. They started with a different sort of marketplace solution and then pivoted 
to the smart intake solution that they've deployed today, which essentially goes through the initial use cases around sleep therapy, you know, new referrals, and anyone who has either handled a new sleep therapy referral or, or observed someone handling one uh, knows that they're incredibly cumbersome documents and processes filled with unstructured data and a, a bunch of different components that an intake or qualification person would need to evaluate, jot down, move into an EMR system. It's a very cumbersome process, and the technology essentially automates the retrieval of the critical components of these orders. And many times these orders are up 30, 40 pages long. Once you once you uh, include chart notes, sleep study, and the relevant prescription and, and other documentation. So they're just, they're really cumbersome to work with. The problem with the marketplace is there are two sides to it, right? And so you, you're, you're charged with changing behavior of your referral partners. You know, Darby allows them to continue to send in the orders the way that they prefer. Many times that is some variety of a fax, for better or worse. For, oftentimes on the referral side, it's automated. So to them, because it's embedded within their EMR, it feels like they are e-prescribing because they push a button in their EMR and the order goes out. When in fact, what is happening under the hood is, you know, their EMR is producing and collating PDFs together and faxing them to the provider who then has to manually go through all this stuff. So it allows the providers to continue to push the orders into the HME community however you know they see fit, and but it allows then the HME community to get the benefit of the smarter intake solutions, optical character recognition, artificial intelligence to get the information that they need to act on that order and meet the insurance company's criteria while making it much more efficient for their team and cutting out really significant portions of time to make that team much more productive. Here you've also launched Scorton Creek Capital. What's behind that name and what's the goal of the company? Yeah, Scorton Creek is a, a really cool spot that I grew up going to here on the Cape. It's on the north side of Cape Cod and Sandwich. It's a creek that is intersected by Route 6A where there's a bridge that kind of a rite of passage for local kids that go to that bridge and jump off into the water. It's a, you know, it's a 10 foot drop, right? It's nothing crazy, but it's just a, a fun place. It's also a place where, you know, my wife and my son and I go and take our dog pretty much every day. So it's a really cool spot. And if any listeners are around Cape Cod at any point, happy to take them out there. The company is to invest in, support early stage healthcare, health tech companies, and then there's, you know, an advisory side as well where, you know, I'm engaging with a primarily HME market participants, whether those are technology solutions providers, manufacturers, investors, venture, private equity, and otherwise, and leveraging my, you know, 20-plus year career in a number of different environments across the sector to provide insight to them on, you know, strategy, on, you know, thesis, on strong investment options, and then on the venture side, kind of go-to-market stuff and, and growth in, in terms of introducing them to the market participants and, and also validating, you know, oftentimes, you know, technologists will come to the table with solutions. It's just a, a touch off in terms of, you know, not having enough insight, enough authorship from, you know, the actual end user community. So I can provide some of that value as well. Longer term, do you plan to stay in the HME industry, or do you think you might reach out more broadly in healthcare? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I've I've been in the HME industry, you know, indirectly since the day I was born, as I said earlier, but more directly for 
21, 22 years, I'm not going anywhere. I, I have a, a real passion for the HME industry. And it's also, look, it's 21, 22 years of building relationships and building trust. And, you know, I, I don't, I have no plans to, to turn my back on that. It's it's a group of people that I really enjoy. And I think that, that they, they have and can make a significant difference in uh, the, the healthcare problem that this country is facing with spending far too much and getting far too little in return. I do think that there's an opportunity for the HME community to be, to be more broadly connected with the, the you know, healthcare continuum. And if there's ways that I can help affect that or help drive points of connection between the broader HME community and, you know, particularly some of these more innovative care models, hospital at home and related service offerings that are coming out of more, you know, sort of integrated delivery networks, that's obviously kind of, you know, facilitation that, that I'd be happy to, to make. But it's, you know, I, I still want to be at MedTrade. I still want to be at the summit. And I still want to see all, all the friends and colleagues that I built up along the way. So, I, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I'm going to be in and around this industry, you know, probably until the day I die. Gary, you may have touched on this in your previous answer, but why have you been such a believer in HME? I think HME is the enabling factor to deliver healthcare in the home. And as a country, we need to figure out ways and validate ways to deliver more healthcare in the home. And I just don't see how it's possible without, you know, a robust HME community. HME is that last mile infrastructure that the healthcare system needs to to provide care safely and efficiently and with visibility uh, in the home environment. So I think if you think about, you know, if you can take the core HME assets and, and attributes of an HME company, you can start to pair it with different remote patient monitoring solutions. I think you can start to drive much more visibility into patient performance, continuous patient performance in the home rather than sort of episodic patient check-ins on an arbitrary month, quarter, year, um, and, and have a lot more visibility. But you need you need th that last mile infrastructure. You need that van in the driveway. You need that clinician, technician in the home with the patient to understand what that living situation is like to make sure that technology that's shipped to the home is actually turned on and deployed. I mean, I think there, there are significant compliance issues, the compliance, not legal compliance, but like adherence issues with some of the RPM solutions where there's no presence in the home and it goes there and it sits in a box and is, is never, never used. So I, I do think that, you know, there's a substantial role for companies who have the types of the vehicular technician scale that the HME community has. And, and if you, you know, I think if you tie that together smartly and robustly, it really has the promise to, to help continue to transform care delivery in the United States and care outcomes in, in the United States. And I, HME just, it just has to be a part of that. Gary, where do you see HME shifting in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to continue to be a movement from the payer community to drive a little bit more visibility into, you know, who is doing what in the home. I've, I've you know, through my very work experience, I've had dialogue with, with payers in the payer community. And, you know, I, I've, I've termed this, you know, it's, there's no math behind this, but, you know, DME is kind of 2% of spend and 20% of headache for payers. Like, there's a lot of confusion about who ordered what from who. So I think there, you know, there's going to have to be a move for 
the HME community to provide solutions that give payers more visibility into what is happening and when it's happening, that, that they get deliver a patient experience that's supportive of payer star ratings. So I just think there's going to be a lot more focus from the payer community on HME, you know, service and outcomes. And, and in that, I think technology is going to have to be the bridge between, you know, a, a today where there's very opaque and, and a lack of visibility into how companies are performing and if they're meeting specific requirements in a future where payers have much more real-time visibility into what is ordered, what stage of the order it's at, when it's delivered, how the patient is adhering to the therapies that were ordered. So I think companies that embrace technology, that embrace solutions, that embrace a dialogue with the payer community are going to do, you know, really well. But again, you've got to innovate. The days of, you know, running a company with pen and paper and fax machine and, you know, being a DME of 1985 is going to lead to, I think already has for many, uh, and will continue to lead to an untimely demise. So, it's, you know, you've got to be embracing the technology of the future here. And you need to be able to have a spotlight shown on your, you know, service performance and your clinical outcomes. And you need for that spotlight to come out with you looking good. Otherwise, I think you end up increasingly on the outside looking in with respect to payers, payer agreements, and your ability to service their patients. Great. All right, Gary, it's been great talking to you today, and have a good Christmas. Thanks, Teresa. You too. And if anyone's ever in the neighborhood, happy to connect with anyone in the HME community. So thanks again for the time. Thank you. Have a good one. And that's HME News in 10.